0: When you claim your non-negotiables, you do not entertain anyone or date anyone that is out of alignment with those non-negotiables. And so that weeds out all of the BS.
2: Hi, friends! We hope you are living it up
1: and enjoying the summer because we sure are. And one of the many things that we're loving about this life after lockdown is that love is back. Dating is back, summer flings are back, and it is just the best. But we've also heard from a lot of our single friends that they're feeling a little apprehensive or just unsure of how to get back into dating after basically a year and a half of isolation. So in our recent Instagram polls about dating, 47% of you said you're a little nervous to get back into dating post-COVID, while 53% of you are totally good to go. And those worries are super valid.
2: Half of our followers responded that they currently are in the dating scene, and the other half are in committed relationships. So there are a lot of us out there navigating the dating world in 2021, which is, you know, it can be pretty overwhelming, a little daunting just thinking about it. So we called in love and relationship coach Lauren Zoller to answer all of our burning cues, and she gave us the advice that everyone needs to hear, whether you're newly single or have been in the market for a while, or if you're just in an open relationship. And 76% of our followers said that they're ready and looking for love, and they shared with us that some of their biggest challenges about dating right now are finding people who are actually serious about dating versus just wanting to hook up actually scheduling the time to meet up which like we're all busy it's hard to set those dates and establishing trust and then just dealing with all of the bullshit that, that can crop up in the dating scene in the app world all of
1: which Lauren touches on in this episode And for the 24% who are loving the single life, we love to see that. And we talk a lot about it in this interview about how important it is to have that solid foundation with yourself before you throw yourself into serious dating and just how that deep inner work can actually Mm -hmm. help you find your future partner. And you guys shared that some of that self-work that you're doing and and some of the things you're trying to focus on are things like setting boundaries, managing your own expectations or perfectionisms or anxieties when it comes to your relationships, and just general self-love and confidence. So there are a ton of tools and tips to combat all of these things in today's episode. Totally. And yeah, I mean, the single life is something
2: I've never excelled at. I I mean, I love the thrill of meeting someone that you're really into and like that excitement and high of those first dates and the connections that you make, the people that you meet. And it's it's really fun. (laughs) But I'm also just a sensitive soul. And all of the games and all of the bullshits of the dating world were exhausting to me and I'm definitely just I'm a relationship person what can I say I love love but some (laughs) of the like really impactful things that I learned from my interview with Lauren about how to bring our best selves into the dating world it can really apply even if you are in a relationship like I learned a lot and took away a lot it doesn't just apply to single people we can always do that self-work because there's nothing hotter than someone who's done the work to be good within themselves to be a good communicator It's like those memes going around right now. Like, is he hot or is he hot or does he just do therapy? Is he hot (laughs) or is he just a good listener? This is this is what we need from people.
1: Oh, it's so true. I mean, though, like one hot second point in my life when I was single, I do remember that I really loved it. And I think I was like, I was 19 at the time. So I was too young to realize that I was actually doing the work. But I was at that stage in my life where I had just come out of a long long-term relationship and I was like lost in the transition of high school to university and I was just doing me and I was so Mm -hmm. happy and that's honestly when I found Gabe because I was I guess doing the work and just following my heart yeah living your life exactly but nowadays it honestly seems like the only way to meet people is on the apps and I don't think they even existed when we were single in university I don't even know but 73% of you said that you still prefer to meet people organically versus on the apps and 68% said that dating apps have been just a total nightmare. Yeah, we feel you.
2: But I mean, I totally get it. Like I've also been seriously burned by the apps. So I understand the resistance that some people have to use them. Like there's there's some shitty stories out there. And I did develop an inherent distrust of apps um, because I felt like there was no accountability to the people that Mm. you were meeting on those apps. But Honestly, apps have come such a long way, and there's a lot of fixes for those issues now where like apps will only match you with someone who has mutual friends on some of them. There's way more out there beyond Tinder.
1: We've definitely come a long way on the app front. I know Bumble has a really good reputation as just a super empowering dating app, especially for women. I mean, it's made by a woman and women are making the first move and Mm. the first ones to message. So that's a plus. And then with same sex matches, either party can initiate. So it also just motivates conversation since if no one says anything in 24 hours, the match expires, which is great because like you don't need to be waiting all day for someone to reply to you. No one has time for that
2: promoting responsiveness is is key because otherwise it's just like so many dead ends
1: totally and then hinge is also Mm -hmm. a good one too if you are looking for something serious because it it uses unique profile criteria and a variation of this crazy Nobel prize winning algorithm that uses that profile criteria to match you up with someone who would be a perfect fit and you can only like 10 Mm -hmm. profiles a day so it's way more thoughtful you're not just like aimlessly swiping right or left on on the app all day very intentional
2: yeah, that's, that's key. And then there's also Coffee Meets Bagel, which has like a more casual, chill vibe and a really good reputation for more thoughtful online dating. So every day it sets you up with seven matches, which again, like it removes that gamification of just swiping nonstop and seeing how many people swipe back. So it's more intentional and all of your matches are chosen based on your answers to prompts and like to how you swiped on yesterday's batch. And they kind of... Hmm use those algorithms to get to know like what you like and what you're looking for and then you have seven days to chat with someone if you do match before it expires so again promoting responsiveness and just creating an environment where people like take it seriously and aren't just like screwing around with each other's time and feelings but really no matter what app you use if you want to use one just make sure that you're maximizing your profile and that you're being super specific I mean, like a sarcastic, irreverent one liner is tempting and we all like want to do it and seems super cool. But if you're serious about dating and connecting with solid potential matches and offer something real, like really offer an insight into who you are so someone who takes you seriously can engage with you. So talk about your hobbies and interests, what you're actually looking for on the app. Like, can we just simplify things and establish if we're just Mm -hmm. trying to fuck or if we're trying to find a life partner? That would be very helpful. Yeah. And, you know, you can talk about your career if your career is important to you and choose pictures that like actually reflect who you are as a person, because there is no point in misrepresenting yourself on an app if you're going to go meet someone in person. They're going to find out who you are soon enough. (laughs) So just be real, no catfishing and be yourself from the get go, because that's how you will attract the right person. I mean, lots of people are actually even specifying if they're vaccinated and if oh, like, wow. they're comfortable meeting in person. And there's a lot of talk right now about whether to identify if you're vaccinated and if that's something that's important to you and you only want to mingle with other vaccinated people, then like, yeah, maybe add that in there. But that's totes up to you.
1: That's crazy. I love that. This is the new world we live in. But if your heart is still set on meeting someone in real life and apps just aren't for you, there is totally hope. And I mean, I, like I said, I was only single for a short period of my my life so I am in no place to give 2021 dating advice but I really 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 do believe you can meet people in everyday life like I've met new friends through common hobbies and interests and that's like my my biggest tip here I met Gabe that way too like we were Mm both a part of this group at Western Theater Western I was selling tickets to a show he wanted to go to and that's how we met and you know found each other We were both also in a sorority and frat and lived across the street. So there was a lot of common ground there. And I think when you have that same interest or same values, it's really easy to have a good connection with someone. So you could try something like joining a sports league or a new gym or taking a wine course or a writing course or whatever it is that you're into. And you're very likely to meet someone who has similar interests. Um, Another great thing would be like alumni events or dog parks, group travel. Like there's so many great ways you just kind of have to Put yourself out there, you know, and and just lean into what you're interested in. A hundred percent. Yeah.
2: Even just like changing your surroundings and going to a new yeah. coffee shop like every single week and, and switching your route. You never knew who you're going to run into. And one of my favorite things is to like go and eat alone at a bar in a restaurant. Like you don't even you don't need to go to a bar, go to a restaurant, but Ooh. sit at the bar. Because when you sit at a table alone at a restaurant, you're more closed off and you're kind of like choosing to just be there on your own. And that's fine. Take yourself up for a date. Read a book. Do do you. But if you want to go out, take yourself out for dinner and talk to people, sit at the bar because other solo people are also going to sit at the bar. And then you strike up conversation. And I've, I've done that a lot, just like meeting friends. So big fan of that. And that. just keep your eyes open open around the places that you already go and you'll you'll start to see familiar faces that if your head is always buried in your phone you might not have have picked up on and you might actually be able to form a connection with so like your office building who's in your office building maybe there's a bunch of different businesses sharing one office and you might meet someone who's in a different business or your condo building I had an amazing time going on dates with this wonderful wonderful guy that I approached in my building years and years ago I have since moved from my building sadly but he was a great dude and it was like the best experience and it just came from me continually running into him in the elevator and finally like inviting him out on a date with me and it was great so take the chance and keep your eyes peeled and like be present
1: so cute I love that and I just want to reiterate that I I really do think it's important to take those chances and not be afraid to put yourself out there or say yes Mm -hmm. like I remember when I, during that five months of singledom, I was in New York working there for a summer, and I met this like really really fun Australian guy at a brunch one day, and we exchanged numbers, and a couple days later he invited me out to go with his friends, and none of my friends wanted to go out because it was a work night, it was a school night, and I was just like, you know what, this is the year. Dude, of I would have gone with you. I know you would have. I know you would have. But no one wanted to come. But I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna go alone, and. In hindsight, probably not very safe. Like maybe do some vetting and some creeping beforehand. But I had so much fun. He was so nice. Like he obviously lived in Australia, so that was never going to happen. But take those chances because you never know. Like you never know. I think that applies to also like extending beyond your type too. Mm -hmm. Because
2: unless Mm -hmm. your type is like... A high, high achieving people or like really kind sensitive souls that's great then because those are your non-negotiable values so that's just you going for someone who fulfills your your values but so often I see people get stuck in these boxes of like only wanting to date tall guys or like artsy girls or jocks or blondes and they're cutting out so many potential matches Because they're fixating on like a detail of someone that's kind of neither here nor there. Like that's not what's going to make you happy throughout your life. I have never dated a similar person. Every person I've dated is a total 180 from the one before, which is it's really funny. No one has anything in common. And I'm just like (laughs) very interested in different types of people. So I don't have a type. And I think that's helped me keep a really open mind. And people often say that when they took the chance and went out with someone that they never expected to like, like the super nerdy person instead of like the bad boy, that's when they found their life partner. When they're just like, oh, I'll just try. Like, I'll just go for it. This isn't my type, but I'll try. And that's when they settle down and realize, oh, shit, person has everything that truly matters. But beyond open open mindedness, one of those most important things that I've found throughout dating is setting clear boundaries to yourself and to your date. And one of... The last first dates that I went on was honestly one of the first times I've ever established really clear boundaries about what I was looking for, what I was down for, and it was a helpful moment of growth for me because I used to just waste a lot of time on people that weren't aligned with me, whereas this time I just, I didn't, I I spent a lot of time with people that weren't good matches because I had to give everybody a chance, Mm -hmm. and when you get really clear on your boundaries, you can just identify early on, no. I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend more time with someone who just isn't lined up with me. So that is a good thing to do if you're just sick of being yanked around in the dating world. And the other piece of advice, this might not be a popular one, but this is just my opinion. Don't be afraid to dig deep from the get go. Like a lot of people say to avoid this, but I hate small talk. And I just want to know if we align from the start. I want to know who you are. I want to get beneath the surface. So look, I will go there on the first date. My friends still laugh at me for asking a dude in like hour number two of our first date if he was like truly happy in life. And of like, what what were his regrets? And like, what could he do to be happier? And they were just like, Jill, no. (laughs) But I was like, no, like, that's the kind of shit that I want to know. I love me a deep convo and I want to be able to engage with whoever I'm with like that because that's who I am. So you should always be true to you because that will attract the right person. So if
1: if you're a deep soul, get in there. You do you. I love that. Small talk sucks. We need the big talk. But like we said, we are definitely not the experts. So we called in the oh-so-lovely Lauren Zoller. Lauren is a CTA-certified love and relationship coach, motivational speaker, and a podcast host. And she helps high-performing female executives attract the dream relationships and life that they crave. And she's also the creator of the Aligned Love Experience, which is a coaching program that teaches women how to attract love. Like, love is her language. Literally, it is.
2: And Lauren's own story of overcoming deep shame has led her to advocate for women to own their own story and to use their voice and step into an aligned, vibrant life, which we love. She's been featured in tons of international publications like Prevention, Shape, Business Insider, Thrive Global, Goalcast, Money, Inc., Healthline, Greatest, so many more. And she honestly is just like a... True, compassionate, lovely person that gave us so much amazing insight into ourselves and into how to be really good partners and find really good partners. Yeah. So teach us how to get back into dating, Lauren.
0: Tell us about your journey to how you got to where you are today. I wanted desperately to find a life partner and to be in a relationship and I didn't have it right I was dating men who were extremely toxic my go-to in relationships were addicts I would attract these men who were like really successful and beautiful and wonderful on the outside but on the inside they were in the closet drinking and nobody knew and so I had what I call my, my rock bottom moment. I woke up on a Saturday morning and I had been dating a guy for two and a half years. I got a call from his mom that he was going to rehab for the sixth time in one year. And in that same day, I got a call from my doctor that I was going to need to come in for surgery because they thought I was having a cancer scare. And I also got a call from my accountant that my business was going to be audited and I was going to owe $40,000. That's a bad day right there. (laughs) Yeah. So I had one friend, one friend, and I called her and I said, things are falling apart. I don't know what to do. I'm coming there. And so I ran to Chicago and she embraced me with open arms. And I remember her asking me that morning, what is it that you really desire like what do you really want for your life and in that moment I had this out-of-body experience because I was speaking all of these things that I wanted but internally there was this voice that was saying yeah but you're not you can't have that you're not worthy you're not pretty enough you're not successful enough like all of these stories started coming up and I started speaking these out loud to her and she was like whoa there's some deeper healing that needs to be done right? Like there's some stories coming up. So that was from my rock bottom. That was my awakening moment. It catapulted me into a a healing process that ultimately is now what I teach women to do. Started to up my certifications in somatic therapy, started looking into timeline therapy, NLP work, hypnotherapy. And I shifted, I shifted my internal being. I dissected my core wounds. I really understood what my subconscious programmings were and how they played out. So, And then the beauty of all of that was that I found my aligned partner, which is now why <laughs> I teach women and guide women in the same process. That is incredible. I feel like
1: you probably going through all of those experiences makes you so relatable and empathetic as a coach too, to the women that you are coaching through because you've been through it. You're not just sort of just preaching from no experience. So we want to dive into dating. So Jill and I are both in in relationships, but we have a lot of close friends and a lot of our listeners who who wrote into us when we did some polls on Instagram, just looking for some help (laughs) post-COVID getting Mm -hmm. back into dating. So the majority of our audience actually responded that they prefer to meet people organically, but how do you recommend people do that if they don't want to use the apps and we just haven't really
0: resumed like full regular world activities? Yeah, great question. I get this all the time. What I often tell people is when it comes to dating apps, when it comes to having resistance around dating apps, what you want in your relationship life and finding that person has very little to do with what you're doing. It has very little to do with the dating apps, very little to do with your with a matchmaker, it has everything to do with your internal story, right? So if you have an internal story that hasn't been shifted, much like I did, right? I was attracting the addicts and that isn't healed and shifted, then you are going to continue to attract the same thing everywhere, regardless of whether you meet someone organically or you're on an app. So that's the first thing is you kind of to dig a little deeper into that story. Second thing, if you do want to meet people organically, Great way to do this. And I've had so many clients have success with this is to take a look at the people that you are connected with on your social channels, right? Facebook, Instagram, and look at people that you deeply admire. Maybe it's somebody that you knew in college that was just really a good person that you're connected with and send them a message, send them a message saying, Hey, I am in the dating world. I'm really looking for a committed partnership and someone who can be and is interested and open to a relationship, here are my non-negotiable needs. If you know anyone that is single that you think would be a great person for me to meet, please keep me in mind. And I have had women meet their future husbands that way. Wow. So that's a great way to do it organically.
1: I feel like Instagram is becoming like a pseudo dating app. I think you're right. I've had a, a couple of friends that have met partners through Instagram, just like sliding into the DMS and we make fun of it, but like, yeah. it works, you know, like, you know, they're a real person. That's a, that's a great, great way to do it. So I am one of those people who's a bit reticent
2: about using apps, even, you know, before I was in a relationship, uh, because I've, I've been burnt. and a lot of our audience responded to our polls that we did saying, like I think 78% of people had had really shit experiences on apps. But as you said, lots of people are having wonderful relationships, meeting life partners, getting married. So there's obviously hope, but how can we bounce back if we have been burned and like get back into
0: there? If there's some like fear surrounding apps? Yeah, for sure. So I have a very personal story when it comes to apps. Not in a great way, but I claimed to be the queen of dating apps because <laughs> I was on them for so long yeah. and I was burned. Like the majority of my life was getting burned yeah. on a dating app. And so going back to what I spoke about, and I know that sometimes this isn't what people want to hear, but remember when I talked earlier about that rock, that rock bottom to awakening moment that I had, I took myself off the apps for almost four months. When I was really doing some of my deeper healing work, my now aligned partner, who is a dream. He is unlike anything I had ever attracted in my life up to that point. Uh, He was the first person I swiped right on when I got back on the apps. I love that. So that just is proof that again, like it's, it's hard. It's hard to have that that sense of feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm so defeated. I don't want to do this again. That's coming from a deeper wound. And when you can start to shift that, who you attract will shift. And I know that sounds crazy, but if we look, a lot of the work that I do is based in you know Dr. Bruce Lipton's work. And he studies all about, he studies the energetic vibrational frequency of emotions, right? And so if you are stuck in an old pattern. Let's say that your pattern is that you attract emotionally unavailable partners. Okay. What that means is that at some point in your childhood, you labeled emotions and speaking about emotions as unsafe. All right. If that pattern has not been examined and has not been healed, you are going to be operating in shame, fear, guilt, anger, sadness. So Mm -hmm. that's why, when I work with women and men, when you do this internal work, you will notice that you attract differently and the people that you are attracted to are different. My, my partner now, I had swiped right on him two years prior, but I just wasn't in the space. I wasn't in the space, right. To be in, in an aligned partnership with him. So if that's you and you feel like you've been burned, you may want to take a moment to step back and start to look at the patterns of what it is that you're attracting on dating apps. And I guess if like, I guess
2: it boils down to if you're coming from a better place with yourself, you might have like higher standards, your bullshit meter might be a bit more aware of people who are just fucking with you, maybe you're less likely to put up with things that you would put up with if you weren't in a good place. I had never really thought about that. I was just like, oh, there's so many crappy people on these apps. But if you're coming at it from a really good place within yourself,
0: then I guess it's easier to exit those situations or to avoid them altogether. For sure. Yeah, your bullshit meter changes, right? It's like when you claim your non-negotiables, and I I make all of my clients do this. When you claim your non-negotiables, you do not entertain anyone or date anyone that is out of alignment with those non-negotiables. And so that weeds out all of the BS. True. So
1: can you talk to us more about those non-negotiables in relationships? Like how do you figure out what it is you're looking for in a partner and like what it is you really need if you're,
0: if you're not sure? Yeah. So I allow my women and men to write down their six non-negotiables. However, I always give them their first three. Like they don't even get to, they don't get to, (laughs) I love it. They don't even get to like talk to me about it. They get, I give them their first three. So I will give all of your listeners the first three that I give all of my clients. So the first one is that he or she, whoever it is that you're dating must pursue you at all times. Okay. And that means like no questioning, no questioning where they are, no questioning if they're going to call, no questioning if they are going to text, right? They're pursuing you and you know that they're pursuing you. So the moment that you begin to question that is the moment that you must say that's out of an alignment with my non-negotiable. So that's the first one. Second one is that they must make you feel safe, seen and heard at all times,
1: Hmm.
0: right? They must be able to ask questions and they must be able to listen when you need it, right? They must be able to honor your boundaries, and they must be able to really honor your needs and not feel like there's this bulldozing or not the unavailability to be with you, right? So that's a really big one. There's a lot that kind of we could do subcategories underneath that non-negotiable. But generally, if there is another non-negotiable that shows up, it usually falls underneath that category, right? Because you know when you feel safe yeah. with someone. Right. Right? You truly know that feeling. And yeah. a lot of the work that I do is getting women to understand what that safety actually feels like in their body because they've never felt it before. Right. So when you do that work and then you set the non-negotiable, you understand yeah. it. And then the third non-negotiable, and this is a big one, they must be on the same level of commitment as you, which means if you want children in marriage, they must mm-hmm. want that if you don't and you want an open relationship they must want that but none none of this well i don't really know about kids or mm. Mm, i don't really know how i feel about marriage and monogamy right that's a no it's an, an absolute no so those are the first 3 that i give and then i always give the coaching assignment to to think to have people think about what is what is it that you really want in a relationship to feel soul centered for me, like at that time, the only thing I really had in my life other than my family was my cat. She's my whole world. (laughs) Right. So one of my non-negotiables was that he had to like be nice and love my cat.
1: Yeah.
0: I love that. (laughs) My sister had the same one. That's so cute. Yeah. But it's so true. I mean, if, if somebody doesn't love your cat, they're probably not a good human anyways, but that's where I would start. That's where I would start was, is always have those three. Even if you just start with those three, like you're golden, you're going to weed out a lot. That's true because so many of the ideas of what we want in
2: people, I mean, first of all, I think they change as we mature. Like when we're younger, it's like, I want <laughs> someone who's tall and I want someone who's like traveled the world. And then as you, as I at least have matured, I've realized my non-negotiables have become less about specific characteristics in another person and more about how I feel mm. with them. And I never thought like that before. I was never like, I want to feel this way. I was just like, I want someone who's funny and i still want to laugh but like maybe it's more about i want someone who i can feel funny with or who i can joke around with rather than like feeling that i need to find a comedian you know so it's it's a really great point because all of those three non-negotiables that you just mentioned are very centered in like how you feel and how secure you are and you're so
0: right i had when i was dating prior to doing this work i had what i called my my perfect list it was literally called the perfect list and it was a list of the perfect man. The funny thing is that he was tall, dark, and handsome and had a six pack. And if you know my boyfriend now, he's in great shape, but he's he's tall, but he's blonde. Like he, he's nothing that I put on my perfection list, right? But when I did that work that you're talking about, Jill, of, of really digging deep and understanding who you are and honoring your worth, right? You understand yeah. that a soul-centered partnership is much deeper than anything that we put on the physical outside, right? It's so much of an internal game. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I would love if you could talk to us more about what kind of inner work we can be doing personally to prepare for bringing our best selves into the dating world. So obviously like examining our own wounds and kind of our own past and how it's shaping us, but are there any steps someone can take that you would recommend?
0: If you're wanting to just get curious, around what it is that you deeply desire and how you're showing up for yourself. This is one of my favorite. I'm going to drop a little bit of, of knowledge on your listeners. This is a beautiful exercise. If everybody's listening, take out a piece of paper and try this on, make a list of everything that you need in a relationship. Okay. So just brain dump all of the things that you need. Okay. This is what I call my mirroring exercise. And then take all of those I need statements and turn them into I statements. Okay. So I'm going to give you an example of this. I need sexual intimacy with my partner three times a week. Let's say that that's a need that you really need in a relationship. Then what you do is you flip the mirror and you create it as an I statement. So the I statement would be, I am sexually intimate with myself three times a week. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Then the next step in that is Hmm. to ask yourself, this is what I call the honest check-in, is that a true statement? And if you answer no or sometimes, right, that is what I call a little clarity nugget for you to go deeper into how you're not showing up for yourself. Wow. Because you cannot step into a relationship with someone and expect someone to fill all your needs. You have to be able to do that internally. Wow. Right? So- that's, that's where I would start and see what shows up for you and then go deeper into what you find.
2: I feel like I could cry right now because I just ran <laughs> through my needs in my head and was like, I, I ain't meeting them myself. I'm not doing these, <laughs> any of the things that I need from someone else for me to myself.
0: Especially when it comes to this, the wounding process, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we can't, there's no way that we can show up fully as ourselves in a relationship if we have all these wounds and stories that are showing up. And those wounds and stories keep us from being able to meet our needs, you know? So I love that exercise. It's a humbling one. Let me just say it's a very yeah. humbling one when you do it.
1: So jumping off the inner work, how, how do you build up your confidence if you are newly single and you're ready to go back out there and you just need some like confidence
0: boosters for going into that date? Part of that confidence comes from a deep inner knowing, right? So if you're ha- if you're struggling with confidence, what's really showing up is that, again, there's something that needs to be examined there. But if you have done the inner work and you're just like really ready to show up as your full self the day of a date, what I suggest is taking some time to really relax into yourself before you go on the date, right? So give yourself some self-care time. Even if it's 20 to 30 minutes before you leave to go out and present your best self to someone that's new, you will be amazed at how much just 20 minutes of sitting down, relaxing, taking some deep breaths, giving yourself a moment to really center into yourself will shift the way that you show up within a first date situation. And another great exercise when you're on a first date and you really want to check in with how someone is resonating with you, excuse yourself, go to the bathroom, right? And sit down and take a moment to close your eyes, look into your heart space, like drop your mind's eye into your heart space and notice the sensations that are coming up in your body. If someone is taking you out of that sense of self-worth and out of that confidence, that's a huge sign that you probably should move forward, right? And Mm -hmm. in the date. So that's what I would suggest. That's such a good idea.
1: I love the idea of just like taking a step back, just excuse me, going to the washroom and just like taking a second because it can be hard and you could get caught up in like, I don't know, trying to be something you're not on a date, I'm sure. And and mm-hmm. it's good to sort of have that reset and just check in and be like, do I really like this guy or am I just kind of faking this and we should probably wrap this up after the next drink?
2: Yeah. To your point, Caitlin, like I'm so focused on how am I being, like, am I being a good date? Am I doing the right things Yeah. that I'm never probably checking in and being like, but how are they making me feel? And like, do I even like them? Because we're just caught Mm -hmm. up in
0: how we're presenting ourselves. So that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll speak to that too, because from a somatic perspective, that need to put on a quote unquote air for a date or Mm -hmm. feel like you need to impress them. It's actually a survival response. It's a it's a nervous system or survival response called fawning, right? So Mm. you guys have heard probably about fight and fight or flight. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So there's fight, flight, freeze, and then fawn, which means you discount yourself to pacify and please someone else. So this is a beautiful example that if you are going on dates and you feel like you're neglecting yourself. And you feel like there's this, oh my gosh, he hasn't asked a single thing about me. And all I've been doing this whole time is just putting on, you know, this show to make sure that he's okay. That is your nervous system giving you a hint that something's not right. Either there's some deeper healing work that you need to do, or this guy or this woman is not truly Seeing you for who you are and your worth.
1: I have totally fonded up on a date. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has. I know. Everybody just, has. I just got a, a bad flashback. Thank you though for putting a label on it. Now I know what happened there. Oh God! I just remember leaving and being like, I don't even know what happened there. He was awful, and I just <laughs> took it like a champ. Yeah. Anyways, it didn't it didn't go on beyond that date, so it's okay. We we're glad it didn't go any further. Yeah. Glad it didn't yes. go any further. Now I have a fabulous husband who is. Just what I needed. So, okay. So talking about being on the date, what are some good questions to ask on the first date, especially if you kind of go into it already with your non-negotiables and you like, you're like you, you so stoked. You've done the inner work. You know what you want. Great questions
0: to ask on a first date is, I want to be kind of clear about this. There's no right or wrong question to ask, but what I would suggest that people do is Listen intuitively to what they want to know, like really ask questions from a space of wanting to get to know that person. Like, where did you grow up? Tell me about your family. What do you do for work? What really lights you up? What what are you excited? Like, what do you what's your lifelong plan? What do you want to do? Right. Who are your friends? Tell me about your friends, like really getting to know them versus thinking that there has to be like some specific question Mm -hmm, that needs to be asked. Like, listen to it intuitively is probably the best advice. That's good advice.
2: And then when you're going into kind of the beginning of your journey with dating someone or a first date, how can you draw boundaries early on in a way that's like boundaries can be uncomfortable for a lot of people. So you want to be able to establish those boundaries without like being a buzzkill. And that can be everything from like what you're sexually down for at that point to what you're looking for in the relationship, whether, you know, Hey, I'm just looking for something casual or, you know, I'm really looking for a commitment, all of those boundaries. Like, How do you approach these important
0: but uncomfortable topics right off the bat? So the easy answer to that question is that you use your voice to speak the boundaries because you know what you are worth. And if someone does not respect what you have spoken, that is a reflection of them mm-hmm. and not you. You don't want to be in a dating situation with them moving forward, mm-hmm. right? Because when you are clear on your non-negotiables – when you are clear in who you are as a woman or a man in your full worth, if you're scared about setting the boundaries and you're trying to tiptoe, what's actually happening is fawning, you guys, because you are Mm. trying to make yourself small so that this person that you're speaking to doesn't think differently of you. Right? It's external validation to feel complete. Right. So when setting boundaries, what I always encourage people to do is get clear on the boundary, and then use your voice and set the boundary. And if he or she, they're not in alignment with that, you know, like if you say I don't want to sleep with you until we are committed to one another and he or she's not okay with that, they're not your person. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Yeah, Like that's an okay thing. We forget about that. Like it's okay. Not everybody is going to be for you. Yeah, And we get so caught up in trying to have everyone like us that we, at the end of the day, we end up in relationships, in partnerships that aren't what we deeply desire because we weren't able to use our voice and actually claim what we needed.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I feel like people are often reticent to set leaves like, hardcore boundaries right right off the bat because they think it'll be a turnoff. But really for the right person, it's probably really sexy to be on a date with someone who's so confident in themselves and knows exactly what they want and can communicate it. I'd be like, nice,
0: cool. Sounds good. Yeah. Like
2: There's nothing wrong with that at <laughs> yeah. all.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's so true. I mean, my boyfriend was one of those. He set a boundary with me, right? When we first started dating and was like, I'm not going to sleep with you for X amount of time. And I was like, whoa, this is new. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it was so I was in the same place. Right. Mm-hmm. So there was this respect. Yeah. There was this respect of
2: both boundaries. So let's talk about rejection. Do you have any advice on dealing with rejection, whether it's just like you ask someone out and it didn't go anywhere or you've been on a few dates with someone and they they don't want to continue how uh, or even just getting ghosted. How can you kind of not let yeah. that chip away at, at yourself?
0: So you have to remember, right, and we've, we've spoken about this quite a bit in our conversation tonight, that rejection in anything, right, any sort of rejection in any part of your life is really leading you closer to what it is that you deeply desire for yourself, And rejection is kind of a a harsh word, right? But when someone just decides that they don't want to date anymore, ghosting is a different story. We'll talk about that in a minute. But if someone comes to you and says that they don't want to date you anymore, and it's just not in alignment with what they deeply desire, you have to remember that they're doing you a favor. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them and what they desire or the healing work that still needs to be done on their end. When you are in your worth and you truly know what that feels like and you know what it looks like, you understand that you are responsible for your reality and your happiness. So when someone leaves a situation, it doesn't mean anything about you. So that's, that's how, if you're in that space and you've been rejected, because I see it all the time with women and men that they need closure, right? Like they need that sense of closure, after a relationship. And really closure is unhealthy. Closure is the need, the external need for someone to validate your existence, right? Because when something is done, it's just done. It just wasn't in alignment for you. And now you can step into what is right. And it, I, that doesn't take away the pain. I want you to feel the sadness. I want you to feel the anger. I want you to feel all of the feelings associated with it. But understand that feelings come and go, and really, when you're in your worth, what's next for you will appear, and you're just one step closer. So rejection can lead you there, even though it doesn't probably doesn't feel like that in the moment.
2: Yeah, right? yeah. But
0: ghosting's a whole whole different
2: ballgame. Yeah. So talk to us then about the difference between like ghosting and closure, because in my mind, those are two opposite things. It's like you either get closure or you get ghosted. But it's interesting to hear you say Mm. that that closure is not necessarily a good thing. So (laughs) tell us more.
0: (laughs) For sure. Okay. So (laughs) ghosting, and for those that are listening that don't know what ghosting is, ghosting is when someone just disappears without any explanation. We have to remember that in ghosting situations, if someone is ghosting, which means they're running away, right? We We talked all about nervous system responses, right? And survival mechanisms. That's flight. That is a nervous system response. They're running Mm -hmm. away. What they're doing is they're running away from the uncomfortable conversation. They're running away from having a conversation that could potentially be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. They have labeled emotions as unsafe at some point. When it comes to someone ghosting you, again, they've done you a favor. Because if they're unable to use their words... Because here's the deal, a man or a woman in their worth will speak how they feel, even if it means that it's an uncomfortable conversation, right? right. Mm -hmm. This isn't working for me. It's not in alignment with what I deeply desire. You're a great human. I really deeply honor your existence and I love what we have had together, but it's just not in alignment with what I need. That is a conversation of worth versus running away, which is a survival response. So that person actually did you a favor because they're acting out of a wound and down the line, that would have blown up for you. Yeah. It would have blown up. Yeah. To answer the closure question though, by having that conversation of you're just not in alignment with what I want, that worth conversation, that in a lot of ways is closure. Mm -hmm. When you're searching for that closure, even either after that conversation has been had or B, if someone ghosted you and ran away and you're still searching for that closure again you're searching for something external rather than just being grounded and you know what he ghosted me or she ghosted me they did me a favor that's such a healthy way to look at ending
1: a relationship even a friendship like I'm thinking about some friendships I've had where I was like I need closure on why we're not friends anymore but really you're right if you're rooted in what it is That you want in your life and you just understand that it wasn't right for them you that's your closure right there you really don't need that conversation because it's probably just going to make you feel worse
0: (laughs) at the end of the day yeah yeah well and i and i say it all the time like when you're centered in your voice and you really know your worth and you speak that truth with like authentic vulnerability and transparency all the time Mm -hmm. people aren't gonna like you you are not actually meant for everyone Mm -hmm. like news alert you're not you're not meant for everyone yeah right so it's okay if someone doesn't like you that's an okay thing but that's really hard we're not conditioned that way yeah yeah that's a hard
2: realization and a hard part of growing up I think Kayla and I and I are both kind of pleasers we want to be liked by everyone and I've just I don't know what if it's just like the past two years have been a shit show or what it is but the lack of fucks I have to give about whether I'm liked by everyone has diminished so much in the past two years and it's uncomfortable for me to not be like beloved at in my workplace or to not like have everyone that I meet immediately gravitate to me because that's I measured my worth so much on that before but I think it also means that I'm setting clear boundaries and that I'm not fawning and that I'm Kind of prioritizing myself, Mm -hmm. and some people aren't going
0: to like it, but you're doing you. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the space, and I'm sure you ladies have felt this. That's where everything opens up for you. What's your take on people
1: who say, who are like dead set that they have a type and that's it, and that kind of fall into that pattern of dating the same person repeatedly? Is it a good thing? Should, like, how do they try to branch (laughs) out from what they are used to dating?
0: Yeah. So it's interesting, and I say this all the time that relationships really are a mirror image of the way that we view ourselves. I would say that if you have your mind's eye set on a certain type, go back to the non-negotiables and really look at, okay, are these soul-centered, quote-unquote, type markers? Or are they really, like, do I need to go a little bit deeper outside of the physical spectrum of what someone makes, what they look like, you know, what kind of status they have? And then really look at who are the people that you're attracting. Because if there's a beautiful exercise, you can start to take all the past dating quote unquote relationships or experiences you've had. Look at the patterns of the men and women that you're going on dates with. They will tell you a lot about yourself, right? My type of attracting addicts was me thinking I had savior complex. I thought I could save them. And by saving them, They would validate my existence. They were no, I was no different than the addict. Cause what does an addict do to validate his or her existence? They go to booze, they go to drugs, they go to sex, whatever it is to feel whole. Yeah. So when I, when that light bulb moment went off for me, I'm like, holy shit, I'm no different than the addict. I had to get, I had to really dig deep into, okay, this type that I've created for myself (laughs) that I'm currently attracting, like there's something deep there that needs to be addressed. Thank you for sharing that. I mean,
1: I'm really happy you found your oh partner that you have today. And
0: you're freaking glowing. You.
1: So like life is working for
0: you. Thank you.
2: <laughs> so jumping back to apps for a second, I think a lot of questions that my friends and that our audience has, are there any red flags that we should look out for on apps for like kind of weeding out the fuck boys or just are there any kind of guidelines? How do we know when it's time to move
0: off the app? Yeah, a few things here, right? I think that if someone is overly negative, you'll know this, right? If someone's overly negative in their bio, if they're overly negative in conversation, once you get into the, the I guess, DMs is what you would call it, and <laughs> still be DMs in a, in a dating app, that's probably a red flag that there's some sort of pain that yeah. you need to just tread lightly around. Your bio should be positive. Talk about the things that you are looking for in a relationship. Talk about the things that you are excited to do with that person really in a lot of ways you're putting yourself out there and this is the first impression that someone's going to have of you i've seen a lot of you know profiles with men and women who talk about not looking for x Mm. i don't want this 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 and this right so negative Mm. which is an indicator of a deep wound so from the get-go when it comes to profiles that's a great way to weed out some of the some of the bad ones right? It's a little hard when you get into the actual messaging to weed people out once you're there. So what I would suggest is be really intuitive and curious around their response patterns. If a man is going to pursue you and he's truly looking for a relationship, I mean, I'll give my relationship as an example. We matched, we were set up on a date three days later, like he was on it right? I never had to question where he was. I never had to question when the date was going to happen. He was pursuing me. Right. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. and I'll tell you, and and I want to say this lightly too, because I know that both men and women have been burned on apps. And sometimes men are afraid to set the date because let's be honest, women show up and just want a free dinner or they get ghosted Mm. or, you know, they have put themselves out there and they've been rejected over and over and over and over again. So you may need to, for men and women, say, hey, I really enjoy our conversation. I would like to see this go further and set up a date. Is that something you're interested in? And then let that person set the date, set that space of being comfortable with one another. But I would say that you can tell a lot about how serious someone is by the way that they respond to you. Mm-hmm. And the way that they show up. Yeah. So keep that in mind. If someone's taking four or five days in between responses, let them go. Mm -hmm. Because it's not going to shift when you get out of the app. True. Yeah. They're not prioritizing you. So that's, that says it all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Dating apps have brought a lot to the surface. Mm -hmm. I can't even tell you how many men and women I see on their dating profiles. That state, they want someone who has done the inner work or they're ready for a conscious partnership. I was looking at statistics because I was talking about this on a television show a few weeks ago, that the percentage of men and women that meet on dating apps and get married, the divorce rate is almost non-existent. Wow.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because you think about it you get to really decide what it is that you need and want in a relationship. And you can find it on an app. Yes, you're going to get a ton of bullshit. But if you went into, if you walked into a room with 200 single people, there's going to be a lot of bullshit in there too. And apps allow you to weed through that bullshit quicker. True. So if you do the inner work and if you commit to it and you heal the stories around why dating apps won't work, you're going to find a soul-centered partnership, you will, but you just have to commit yourself to that process.
1: Do the work, friends do the work? <laughs> so one question that we love to always ask our guests is, what's one thing that you wish you had been taught in school?
0: How to do the work
1: <laughs> Actually though the above boy. answer right yeah.
0: And how to file my own taxes) <laughs> If we could teach people how to understand their childhood dynamics and how it plays out into their adult lives, I think we would like the world would just shift. Oh. Reparenting should be a course for children.
1: Reparenting, I, would, I love that. I would
0: for sure have benefited from that.
2: Well, please tell everyone where they can find you and follow along for your amazing advice online.
0: Yeah. So you can follow me at com. That's my website. If you're interested in learning anything about joining my programs, my collective coaching, all of that is there, but I am most active on Instagram. My handle is at Lauren Zoller and TikTok. So at coach Lauren Zoller, I'm on TikTok as well. So that's, that's where you can find me.
1: We hope this episode helps you get back out there, date with confidence and pursue the love that you all deserve. And we'll leave you with a quote from poet, author, and creative director of Thought Catalog, Bianca Sparacino. You may know her as Rainbow Salt on
2: Instagram, and she is an old friend and is literally the loveliest person on the planet. Definitely check out her writing. One day, when you least expect it, you are going to crash into someone who is going to be soft and gentle with your heart. And you are going to be so glad you kept it open. You are going to be so glad that you continued to fight for it. That's what she said. <music>